Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. And today, actor, director, and one of my best friends, Eli Roth, returns to Talk is Jericho, but he's not talking about horror movies. He's talking about this long-forgotten genre of great, great cinema in American history, 80s teen sex comedies. That's right. Bitch, you didn't know he was an expert in that genre as well, right? Eli and his brother Gabe and I go in-depth on everything from Screwballs to Last American Virgin to Fast Times at Ridgemont High to Porky's to uh, to uh, Hot Moves to uh, <laughs> so many of these ridiculous, ridiculous movies from the 80s that all had a similar formula, had a similar uh, uh, way to do things. Hot Dog. How about that one? This is the skiing movie. You get some great trivia about the actors, directors, Famous scenes, lots of boobies. What makes each one so great? Boobies, boobies, yay, boobies. We all got a favorite. Uh, and we all have stories about the first time we saw these movies. You'll be laughing along with us as we relive some of these memories. It's a great, great show. This is going to be hilarious. Oh boy, is this great! As Flanders said in Animal House. You know what else is great? Conan and his cast of ridiculous characters on the Keeping It 100 podcast, the flagship show on the Jericho Network at Podcast One. Check it out if you haven't already. It's a huge hit coming out of the gate, and you can subscribe at iTunes if you haven't. Leave a comment and a five-star rating. Do that even if you've done it before. You can do it as many times as you want. All those comments, all those five-star ratings help us out at this podcast, and do it for Talk is Jericho as well. Coming up later in this podcast, is I got, I got a big announcement to make. I promised more podcasts on the Jericho Network, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the second podcast that's going to debut in just a few weeks on the Jericho Network via Talk is Jericho, via uh, a podcast one. At the end of the show, the new podcast will be revealed, and also, you're going to love it, and also, you're going to love my idea for a rock and wrestling cruise, the Jera Cruise, if you will, I want you to let uh, the people know that are, are promoting these 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 uh, cruises. We got a huge, huge success here with this survey. I want you to take the survey. It's www.surveymonkey.com/r/chrisjericho. Take the survey and let them know that you are interested in going on a rock and wrestling cruise. I'll, uh, what I'm planning on doing is signing up uh, one of the biggest wrestling companies in America. It's not WWE. And a couple of the greatest bands that you could ever see. Put them together and go on the high seas. So if you are interested in that, I really need your feedback. I really need your help. The more people that fill out this survey, the better chance there is of doing the Jericho Rock and Wrestling Cruise. Once again, it's surveymonkey.com slash r slash Chris Jericho. Please, it literally takes two minutes. Please go fill out the survey and let uh, the guys at Sixth Men, who are the promoters of this cruise, that you want to go and be a part of it. And it will help this dream of mine to come true. Another dream of mine is for all of you to get in the best health you can get into by using DDP Yoga and the DDP Yoga Now app, okay? DDP Yoga changed so many lives. People that I know, Jake the Snake Roberts, Scott Hall, Mick Foley, AJ Styles, myself, they've all experienced the benefits and the powers of DDP Yoga. And now DDP is taking it to a whole nother level with the DDP Yoga Now app. That's all I use these days, man. The app has all the workouts, which means I can do them right from my phone. And the app has all sorts of cool features as well. You can use it 
it to track your heart rate and calories. You can use it for pain tracking, measurements, progress photos. And if you're in need of a little extra motivation, you can access messages from DDP himself live from the DDP Yoga Compound in Atlanta, Georgia. He even hosts a gluten-free dairy-free cooking show, which is so important. you got to get into the groove nutritionally if you're going to do this. It all works together. And DDP Now app subscribers, you won't get bored doing the same workouts over and over again because DDP has added complete new workouts, 2.0 workouts, and weekly live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center. Okay, And for a limited time, you can get the DDP Yoga Yoga DVDs for 20% off. Okay, If you still like DVDs, you can get them for 20% off. Plus, you get three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app by going to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's all you got to do to take advantage of this great deal. Just go to DDP Yoga slash Jericho and get 5, 10, 15, 20% off the DDP Yoga program plus three months of full access to all of the workouts on the DDP Yoga Now app, okay? That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get in the best shape of your life. I'm, I, I know I've been harping on this for years now. It really works. That's why I want you guys to take part in this. Get on to the DDP Yoga train. Get in the best shape you've ever been in. Change your life and do it today, man. Okay, so we are here for some serious business today. It's one of the most serious, uh, most important uh, episodes of Talk is Jericho with uh, one of my favorite guests, Eli Roth, and a first-time guest, Gabe Roth, uh, Eli's brother. And we're talking about an almost forgotten genre of film that was huge back in our childhoods, which would be, what's the official name, 80s sex comedies? The 80s sex comedy. Yeah, TNA comedies, boob comedies, um, and, and these were all over the place back in the 80s. Yeah, it was it was this amazing, amazing subgenre that at the time when subgenres happen, you don't actually realize you're in a subgenre. You just think, oh, this is what movies are supposed to be. It's a right. bunch of kids in high school that all want to get laid. That's you know, take invisibility potion to sneak into the girls' showers, <laughs> and they were it. It was the glory day of what's now known as the '80s sex comedy, and it was started by. Uh, a Canadian who's a, a amazing director, completely underrated, named Bob Clark. And Bob Clark made a film called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things in 1972 and Death Dream, which he wrote with Alan Ormsby. And they were sort of early <laughs> zombie movies Yeah, um, that are kind of classic films now. And then he made a film called Black Christmas, which really created the modern slasher movie. Uh, and Black Christmas then... Uh, was the those classic? Was like, it was like a plastic bag over the lady's head. Yeah, or something and it's kill. like yeah. it's it's girls in a sorority house being stalked. Right. But it was the first movie uh, other other than Mario Bava's Twitch of the Death Nerve from 1971 that used the POV of the killer, which John Carpenter then took for Halloween. Okay, and Halloween was originally called the Babysitter Murders, but it was then changed to Halloween. Really? Was yeah, it? that was the original title, and no one thought it was scary. And then they changed the title to Halloween, and everyone thought it was terrifying. So. Um, <laughs> Bob Clark kind of starts these sort of zombie offshoot jump, but really creates the slasher movie. So what we now, now know as the golden age of horror was actually, you can trace it back to Bob Clark. Then in 1981, he comes out with a movie called Porky's. And in, in 1981, it makes like $180 million. That's like the equivalent of what Star Wars Did it really making. make that much? Yeah, it was a sensation. It was like a number one movie around the world, and it changed movies. Like Porky's was such a phenomenon that all of a sudden it was like everyone was going to see these movies where it was basically set in high school where the kids are sneaking into the locker room, spying on the girls changing, and it launches these wave of knockoffs that suddenly every movie was set in high school and it all had to have boobs in it. But you had a, but then, what's just to finish up Bob Clark, 
he follows up Porky's with a Christmas story, which is a, the PG movie. You'll shoot your eye out, kids. And that kind of You're launches the Christmas genre. Right. This one guy started the slasher genre, the sex comedy genre, and like the family Christmas movie genre. And no one knows who he no is. No one knows who he is. Right. Um, tragically died, killed by a drunk driver. You're kidding um, me. No, and like, right? Yeah, and like driving on the Pacific Coast Highway with his son, who was like 22, was going to be a director. I think it was like 59 or 60, car going the wrong way, killed him. So he's it tragically died. Um, very, very underappreciated. But it really, if you look at, uh, if you look at Porky's, <laughs> Eli um, has them I, all, I by have the, way. the Arrow video, the tin edition, <laughs> uh, the most expensive DVD. Let me just say, edition. in the middle of this couch, Eli's got all of his teenage, uh, teenage sex comedies. There's about 60 of them here. Yeah, Porky's was the one everyone knew it because it was about the guys, and Porky was the evil uh, yeah. uh, bar owner or whatever yeah, he, he was. The club, the yeah. club, yeah. And it's then- set in kind of redneck Miami, and it's interesting. You watch Porky's now, and you go back, and they have a lot. There's like a whole plot with anti-Semitism with like Brian Schwartz, where you know they're beating him up because he's Jewish, but then you realize he becomes friends with a guy that beats him up because you realize it came from that guy's dad, and then the kid stands up to his dad. It's like <laughs> I don't. He's like you, Jew lover. He's like I never want to be like you. you piece of shit like it's suddenly like the movie gets deep and the best of these movies like for me the holy like the trinity the holy grail is like Porky's Last American Virgin and Fast Times at Ridgemont High right and it's interesting how Fast Times at Ridgemont High was like sold as one of these movies but actually it's really a Cameron Crowe drama like you can look at like Say Anything or Jerry Maguire and you you really look because he wrote it he went to high school when he was 20 and spent a year with the high school students um, in California, and that's when he wrote his screenplay for Fast Times, which is an amazing, amazing drama. Well, and it is uh, a sex comedy. I was going to bring it up because usually when you think of the sex comedies, you're thinking Porky's and Screwballs and, and Hot Dog and Up the Creek and all those ones. But but Fast Times could be the biggest yeah. of the TNA comedies. The thing is, it's actually it, they sold it as a TNA comedy. But it actually is like a very dark, interesting drama. Oh yeah, Prob- it goes way Pro- deeper. Yeah, and it's probably the best movie ever made about high school students because there's no, there's almost no parents in the movie. The whole thing, it and it did, Good it point. did, and it doesn't pander to the kids. It never like the kids are treated like adults. They're like incredibly intelligent. You don't mm-hmm. need, you know, they're not behaving like mindless idiots. Whereas a film like that, <laughs> it, it's interesting. I, I figured out the science of these movies. Like I have a theory that. Cool guy plus nerd equals romantic comedy. And this is what John Hughes brought. Like, John Hughes came in in 1985 and was like, well, we don't need nudity. We can just have, like, we can make these movies without the nudity, which as a child was, like, ripping my heart out. Because it's hard to contextualize. Before the internet, the only place to see boobs, if you were, like, right. 12 years old, was in movies like was this. Was to rent the, the sex comedies. You'd feel a little bit nervous going up to that. They wouldn't bust you and, like, not allow you to rent it. But if you could get one of those movies you would actually get to see some boobs and you would see them nowhere else. Like nowhere else in your life. With yeah. great sound effects like something <laughs> yeah, right, the, You don't get that anymore when, when the, the girl opens her top yeah. it's like yeah, she's gonna get zapped, you know, it's like there's <laughs> yeah, sound effects. <laughs> but especially like you said, like in a in a in a screwballs, uh maybe even Porky's too, because there was a lot of slapstick in a lot of those movies as well. Whereas Fast Times was very played very straight. Yeah. Very straight. And you know the the movie that really that it, it's interesting a lot of the the way the Italian cinema and American cinema have this kind of interesting relationship and that 
we were making westerns in the 50s, and then the Italians started making the spaghetti westerns, but they created on-screen violence. It was Sergio Corbucci and Sergio Leone, really Corbucci, that created when you were shot, you saw blood exploding, which you weren't allowed to do in American movies. They also added electric guitar to the soundtracks. So the Clint Eastwood movies, suddenly we were used to, like, if you think of High Noon and Stagecoach and those kind of 50s, mm -hmm. John Ford, The Searchers. They're very orchestrals. It's right, violent. Right, right. But then all of a sudden, what do the Italians do? They're like, well, let's put rock and roll in this. They have like the Clint Eastwood oh, movies yeah. are scored with electric guitar. And a lot of the times it's they either couldn't afford an orchestra or they, that was just their sensibility. But suddenly the Americans, then Sam Peckinpah and the Wild Bunch, they're like, well, we want to do what the Italians are doing. Well, the same thing happened with the Jallo films, the 70s, these... Jallo means yellow, and the, all the crime thrillers, which were came in yellow paperbacks. Oh. So they started adapting them and turning them into movies, which were basically, it's almost always a killer with black gloves penetrating a woman with a knife. I mean, you can read into that what you want. There have been a million essays on it. But those were very early precursors to the American slasher movies. Like, if you look at all, all the writers of the spaghetti westerns, like Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci, they were writing on Once Upon a Time in the West. They were? Dario Argento, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah, no, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Once Upon a Time in America, like, Once Upon, I mean, Once Upon a Time they wrote in the West. Those? Yeah, they were writers on wow. all these movies. So if you look at a lot of the Sergio Leone films, all these guys, Sergio Martino, that went into, because a lot of those guys have a spaghetti western to their credit. Like, Fulci did a, a film White Fang um, and and for the Apocalypse, like they're, they're a different Silver Saddle. So a lot of these guys had kind of their roots where they learned screenwriting and violence and killing. That was in the Spaghetti Westerns. They brought that over into the Jallo films. And then Argento went crazy and operatic with Suspiria creating more for the fantastic horror. But we then started ripping that off. Well, it was the same thing with the, the sex comedies. There, there, were, there was a whole wave of comedies in Italy called the Commedia Sexy Alitaliana that often starred, I have a bunch of them here, the, the police girl in New York, uh, the school teacher in the house. They starred... I remember Edwidge Ed Fennick. Wasn't she like a big star in the slasher movies? Yeah, well, she was in a lot of the Jalla movies, and I put her in a cameo in Hostel 2. Okay. Uh, but her and Gloria Guida, where it's often like a very pretty... And these girls were like 19 and 20 right. when they were doing them, where you'd have these very pretty Italian girls, and often the joke is they're in the room with the doctor, who's like a... The, uh, very often played by Alvaro Vitale, Lino Bonfier, this guy Bumbolo, and the joke is, oh, he's gonna rape her. Like, they, they're, they're super rapey movies. They're, like, all about the girl. The joke is that she's... But that kind of was the precursor to the American TNA sex comedy. Just quickly, as a quick segue, uh, this is your screen room that we're sitting in, and this is where you and I and Tarantino actually watched a spaghetti western, a Leone movie, right here in this yeah. room. Well, I was trying to show him the... the you know, he's so about film in 35, and I was trying to tell him about Blu-ray and how beautiful the clarity is and the director's cuts. And so we were watching, and he was like, I'll admit it looks okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I'd rather have a 35 He print. kept telling us every little detail about, we were talking about, like, there's some flies here, and they're from South America, and there's this. And he, went, he was talking so much after a while, I was like, would you just shut up and watch the movie already? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> But, quite, but yeah. just, just to go back to, we're talking about seeing, seeing boobs and Ridgemont High, the best boob reveal scene in cinematic history has to be Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool. Hi, Brad. Just one of the guys is pretty good, too. 
Oh, that's a good Joyce one Heiser has yeah, amazing. She was hot. Great. God, she was Great so rock. hot. And then she went on to do Greedy. Joyce Heiser and Just One of the Guys. Remember the little brother and Just One of the Guys? Uh, Billy Jacoby. Billy Jacoby. I love you. Yeah, that's right. Canadian pronunciation, God, Billy Jacoby. Billy Jacoby. Maybe it is, dude. Maybe he's like Sir Derek Jacoby. Maybe he's actually like related to him. But what, what was the, just one of the guys was she was pretending to be a guy to be, uh, to get, uh, was she to get on the football team? What was she yeah, trying to do? She was trying to get on the Yeah, she was trying to, oh, she was trying to uh, write a piece for a paper or something. So she becomes one of the guys and she's super hot. And she's so hot. How could you not know? That and she's, nobody knows that she's a, like a girl. Like cup tits. And yeah. She, yeah, she kind of talks like this. <laughs> yeah, it's she, like one of those movies you watch where the, the leap of faith premise, like Soul Man with C. Thomas Howell, <laughs> where, where it's basically a movie about directed by Steve Miner, who did Friday the 13th, part two. And it's like he does this movie where basically he's in blackface. He's in blackface. Right. But Friday the 13th, part two, doesn't that rip off? Actually, talk about like mixing sex and horror. Like, there's a kill in Twitch of the Death Nerve, which is during a sex scene, right? And they get skewered. And isn't yes, that exa- isn't that exact kill in the part two? That's very true. Yes, yeah. Steve Miner when he made for and Steve Miner was a PA who worked with Sean Cunningham, who directed the original Friday yeah, the Thirteenth. Yeah. Um, and they'd all sort of worked under Wes Craven. So Steve Miner worked like as an AD. Uh, for Sean Cunningham on the first Friday the 13th, then he directed the sequel and basically ripped off everything from Twitch of the Death Nerve. If you watch Twitch of the Death wow. Nerve, yeah. which is also known as Bay of Blood from 1971 and Friday the 13th, and, and in every interview with Steve Miner, he's like, oh no, we just basically remade Mario Bava, Twitch of the Death Twitch Nerve, the Death people Nerve. getting skewered during sex. But then he went on to make Soul Man, which is just like, even as a kid, you're like, this is like, how is this okay? Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Thomas Hall has to, he, to get into college, he has to be a minority because they're only taking minorities. So he basically dresses up as a black man. Yeah. And like you said, black face. really sensitive. Like people making really black comments, like really racist comments. And you like, see his feelings getting hurt. Yeah, but like, yeah, so he, he, he embodies the spirit of what a black, like, hey man, you know, what's up, brother? Like just really bad imitation of a black guy. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> but that, but that's, that's once again, you're talking about the slasher films and the TNA films. That was the calling card of the 80s. The, I know. Well, these, you know, these movies, the Last American Virgin. Oh, so my theory. The cool. So basically, right, John cool Hughes saw what Cam, saw what like Cameron Crowe did, and he's like, "Let's write intelligent characters." So you have Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But then it goes to Pretty in Pink and other movies where it was they were really smart and there wasn't any nudity and it was the brat pack the andrew mccarthy we call it the mccarthy era or it's also known as it's also known as when mccarthyism came into cinema it killed the sex comedy and it sort of was Why? like because it wasn't about the guys seeing the boobs anymore that, that john hughes theory was that you have to treat the characters as intelligent gotcha and there have to be real stories about teenagers with real issues and there's a reason that 30 years later those movies are regarded as the classics. Well, as a kid, I was furious. I felt like this genre that I loved had been, I was robbed of it. I was waiting to see them sneak into the girls' locker room and with the invisibility. Yeah, into the shower. (laughs) Um, You know, Last American Virgin, like Screwballs, has the, the theory of fat guy, cool guy, nerd, where if you have a cool guy and a nerd, they're sort of both dueling for the girl a la 16 Candles, and maybe the girl decides, okay, I like the nerd. Mm-hmm. At the end, that's who I really, you know, he's the sensitive, he's the smart one. If you throw a fat guy into the mix, which was often like Jim Greenleaf in Joysticks, <laughs> then they work together as a team, and that's what Screwballs does. That is Jerk Melvin, you know, Melvin Jerkowski. Then the nerd has sex with the fat guy's mom, the fat guy's sex with the coolest. They're all working together, and the adults are the <laughs> bad guys. Sex. And that's where Last American Virgin does it brilliantly. And that was 
a director, an Israeli director named Boaz Davison, made these movies called Lemon Popsicles. I actually have the box set here. There's number one through seven, where it was the same movie over and over. And they took all the greatest hits of the Lemon Popsicles movie, really Lemon Popsicles 2, Hot Bubblegum. And that is what got remade as Last American Virgin. Because the first Lemon Popsicle is a very serious drama set in the 50s of these three Israeli kids trying to have sex, trying to get laid. And it's all it's sweet and good natured, but it's not wacky. But everybody loved, oh, the scene where the fat guy slips in the banana peel and falls in the pool or like he's spying on the girl through the roof and the tent of the Holy's Man and then the tent collapses. So literally the second movie, it all just becomes about jokes of the fat guy who I believe was Zaki Noy was the actor where he's buried up to his neck in the sand and then the little kid comes on and pisses on his head and then they're spying and then they, they, they only got the rights to La Bamba. So every five seconds a gag happens and they cut to La Bamba. Yeah, okay. So, you know, just a little context here. This is not something that Eli came up with recently like i remember being in probably junior high and coming down into our basement which was like the hub of our house and he was he had tracked down all the lemon popsicle movies and like was watching them with his friend noah belson who you probably know as the guitar man from cabin fever and uh, okay Rotten nice fruit he did with eli but they would watch all the lemon popsicle movies and that was like their weekend saturday night and then eli would talk about fat guy cool guy nerds so this, this is a theory that's been going like on for a while well they work together as a team and another and then you can really see it done to perfection um you know in Raphael Zelinsky's screwballs yes. a canadian movie well wasn't wasn't the lloyd uh lloyd kaufman involved in screwballs in some way no he was involved in squeeze play yeah. he okay. may have released it but squeeze play was but was screwballs screwballs definitely has that slapstick ridiculousness uh, of of a Kaufman movie, but continue on. No, the thing about that's great about Screwballs is the opening scene. It's just like two hot girls trying to hang a sign, and there's a guy at the hot dog stand swinging a giant hot dog back and forth. You think they're having this, and you're like, oh, uh, higher, higher, and then you realize that they're just hanging the sign. But her name is like Bambi Goodhead is the character's yeah. name. But then you realize that's the co-writer, like the blonde girl whose boobs are pressed against the glass was the co-writer of the movie. Bambi Goodhead. Yeah, or it wasn't Bambi Goodhead. Like it, was, it was a different first name, but the last name is Goodhead. Well, um, and, then, and, then, and then the 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 heel girl in the movie, her name is Purity Bush. Purity Bush. It was so good, and Jim Winarski co-wrote this movie who went on to make a great film called The Chopping Mall and now does like sci-fi ah, movies on Blu-ray. the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we're here with Eli Roth and his brother Gabe. Let's delve into screwballs. Screwballs gave me hope that when I got to high school, I could pretend to be a doctor and grab boobs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, I have to say this. It wasn't the case, it, but. Probably the best thing that could happen to you at watching these movies at age 12 was it gets you very excited for high school, but it's actually the worst thing that happened to you. Right. Because you really believe on a certain level that Porky's and Screwballs and Zapped are based in fact. Like, I didn't necessarily think I was going to get telekinetic powers to remove cheerleaders' clothing, but I remember getting to high school and being like, wait, these girls don't look like the girls in the movies. And the ones that do don't want to have sex with me just when I talk to them. Exactly. What the hell's up with this? Yeah, it was... was, I thought it would be pillow fights in the locker room. (laughs) Nothing. I was so... 
devastated at my, what my high school experience, what I was hoping for it to be. But Screwballs, so it's it starts with these kids, these five students. It's not just three of them, it's five of them. And they all get detention. And it has like, there's the cool guy in the red, you know, convertible car. With the blonde hair. There, the and then there's guy. the blonde, the blonde oh. guy. This is, this is what's unusual about Screwballs, is normally you have like the blonde haired guy who would be Greg Bradford, the actor <laughs> who was in Zapped, who's the bad guy who plays Robert Walcott. Um, and he also was in Love Lines, another yeah. great breakdancing, <laughs> breakdancing <laughs> 80s movie with Michael that's Winslow. That's genre. Yeah, that's the Michael Winslow impression breakdancing, gratuitous <laughs> breakdancing montage movie. But... In Screwballs, they oh, they all get to school, and there's Melvin Jerkovsky. And that's who, his, yeah, Melvin Jerkovsky. That's his name. Yeah. Of course, all the girls are teasing Jerkovsky, you know, and, like, taunting him, because uh, he somehow also works at the cafeteria serving food, which I always found strange, because <laughs> he's also a student, but also served lunch. And then he has to go and jerk off in the meat locker. And, of course, they do this thing where they all get caught, and there's this, like, a stamp that just, boom, detention. <laughs> and, of course, the, the teacher is giving a tour of the school and going, and here's our sanitary, you know, locker, freezer for all the foods of Jerkovsky's jerking off there. And then there's... <laughs> of course he is. Howard Bates, Howie Bates, um, who's the, the nerd. Guy? No, this oh, is the nerd. nerd. Like, Jerkovsky's the, the fat... nerd? No, Jerkovsky is the fat guy. Oh! Howie Bates is the nerd who's rearranging the mirrors to go, like, a fifth bounce 15 different directions. Uh, so that he can look up their skirts. skirts. And then the principal's name is Roach. And he, and I remember she, she catches him. And she's like, Howard Bates, detention. And he goes, fuck a duck, it's Roach. And then in, in Inglorious Bastards, when we sort of reveal what the plan is, remember in the script, it said, Donowitz said, fuck a duck. And I looked at Quentin, and I was like, a duck it's roach i was like this is a screwballs reference he's like of course that's a uh, of course it he's is like raffle zelinsky's a great director of course it's a screwballs <laughs> reference. A whole dissertation yeah so i was very happy i got to make a screw <laughs> but that the thing about screwballs is whereas like porky's actually has like photography and character and story and screwballs is just nuts mm-hmm. like from minute one it's completely unapologetic. And I remember that movie was like a tr- – that was like a treasure. That was like a gift from the gods. When I caught that on cable and I remember I recorded I was like, this is this is better than any of them because mm-hmm. it never tries to pretend to be. It's just all gags. I have rented that from uh, OKS Video in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and they weren't going to let me rent it. But I had a fake ID at 14 that said I was 18. Wow. And it was like this horrible fake ID because they didn't have your pictures on them back then. It was just a, a one-sided black and white photocopy that I took uh, the 70 and changed it to a 6-7 with little numbers <laughs> that you buy. So I was able – I had to use fake ID to get screwballs. And boy, was I ever uh, not let down by what I saw because there's tits aplenty in that one. Yeah. I remember Gabe's friend had a really good scam for making fake IDs. We used it because the zero on the Massachusetts driver's license had a slash through it, so you could photocopy it onto like a clear laminate and put a zero over like 74, 75, right. and it looked like zero. So we then would go in our basement where we you know, watched all the sex comics <laughs> and make fake IDs and sell them in the school. I looked like at age 16 like I was 12 and I was still able to buy them. Yes, he's right. Now let me ask you this. Did you guys ever rent a sex comedy and then your parents come down parents while you're watching it? watch parents let you watch anything, it anything when we were little kids we go to the um, we go get our haircut 
And our barber used to give us all of his old Penthouse and Playboy. So I kind of what? learned to read by reading like Xavier Hollander and Penthouse Letters and things like that. Did, yeah. you, did he have a name? Do you remember his name? Yeah. Stanley. Stan, Stanley, yeah. The Stanley the Barber. Stanley the Barber. Wow. Well, it was great. Do you know what's great? Because like Stanley the Barber had really survived like hardcore Holocaust. Like not that there was a softcore Holocaust, but his memories, like he was in the siege at Stalingrad. Oh, wow. And so he was like, survivor. and then he was in the camps and he like survived he was in like either Auschwitz or Dachau, like like the the camps that no one came out of, because he could cut hair. So wow. he cut all the officers' hairs. So then he would just like it, it was almost like as kids were like, if we can get Stanley talking about the Holocaust, at the end he'll be like, well here just take the Playboys. Like <laughs> part of the strategy of going to get your hair cut was like, oh, let's ask Stanley about the Holocaust because the more he talked about it, the more he just felt like, you know what, life is for living, right. and you guys are alive, and I'm just happy to be here, and this, these make, make you chance. happy. So he, so we would just go there and just sort of you're just like listening to these stories about his entire family being killed, or him going back home after, and basically everyone's like, everyone from his hometown was like, if, if the Nazis didn't kill you, but we're going to, like the whole town was so anti-Jew, he basically had to leave wow. with nothing and come to America, and he was the greatest guy, and we loved him. He was like a family member because he cut our, all of our hairs growing up and I cut my dad's hair for 40 years but it's like <laughs> I have like a very clear memories maybe it's been so f***ed up of like tied to <laughs> Holocaust stories equals Playboy equals Playboy and here's another thing though it must be a theme the local uh, uh, barber was called Orist and we called him Orist the Butcher because you'd go in there and get the worst haircut because we're all trying to grow your hair long and he would butcher it. But he'd always let us look at his uh, porno mags. Yeah. So it must have been a barber thing in the 80s that, between the Stanley way, and Orist the Butcher. A, you know what? That was the thing because it was considered – it wasn't a barber shop. It was a men's salon. Yeah. And a lot of the men, they, they wouldn't – they would go there to get their hair cut and read Playboy because maybe because they weren't allowed to have Dude, it at home. You know, and so there was like – it was like you, you like you know your Playboy had been around like some 65 years because if you think about it, like it smells you, like smoke. Yeah, it's like yeah. smoke and talc. Like it's weird how the smell of talc sort of turns me on. To I, that. I could never read them in the barber shop, but it always struck me as very odd when I'd walk in and there would be like some man there reading the penthouse. Right, just like oh, what's going? Nothing, yeah, you know? yeah, like it's not like something you'd want to read in yeah, front of old men, it, but yeah. that's they that's they did. Let's man. go to the penultimate scene, the the the, the main scene in Screwballs when uh, and I thought, see, I always thought uh, Jarkovsky was the nerd, but Howard's the nerd. Yeah. Well, the plot is they're all trying to get Purity Bush. Right. Purity Bush is like the beautiful, you know, she's the hot one in the school that, you know, you know, Purity. She's like Reese Witherspoon in an election. She's the. Yeah, the she's pure, like the golden yeah. goddess that nobody has even seen her tits. And right. so they all concoct, they make a bet, the five guys in detention, one of us by the prom is going to see her boobs. So, of course, <laughs> the nerd invents a device for the fat guy to spy out of a Coke can. And then there's like sort of the new guy that they just make friends with. Like it's it's one of those rare high school movies where everybody's nice to each other and they all like, no, let's all help each other try and See have sex with a hot girl. Yeah. Whereas every other movie, it was like a fierce competition. These guys are like try they're genuinely trying to help. So of course, you know, he winds up having sex with Purity's mom in the first scene and gets chased out with a shotgun. But by the end, the nerd has created magnetic poles and just defied the laws of physics 
So at some homecoming thing, while Purity Bush is singing a song, he turns on a crazy magnet contraption that rips everyone's clothes off. Yeah, it rips their clothes off. But then, but, but I'm talking about the bowling alley scene. Oh, the bowling alley scene is amazing. That's, that's the classic strip scene. bowling. And I really thought that was going to happen. They all go to the bowling alley <laughs> because if we, as if we haven't seen enough nudity, like without purity, and of course every other girl who goes to school is also ridiculously hot. Uh-huh. One of whom is the co-screenwriter, and they're like, let's do strip bowling. So they're all bowling naked, and then one of the girls, and of course Howie is the first guy who like fully loses so he's like fully nude standing in the corner and one of the girls like swings back the bowling ball and lets go of it and turns around and gets stuck on how he's so he's standing there and he can't get it off so then like the, like five... the hole that you put your finger in on the bowl yeah ball. he's actually having sex with it he's like his <laughs> his dick is in the hole and then so the guys try to like help him out but no one can really get this thing off so all the girls all surround him they're like howie howie and they'll start like licking him and rubbing their tits against him and then you know like gabe's 80s sound effect it's like spring the bowling ball shoots <laughs> off his dick down the alley and he bowls a strike of course of course and you know what it still makes me laugh like like that's what i love about this movie They're, like th- that screwballs is really the closest to one of the italian sex comedies which they didn't they, they there's just barely a string of a plot but there's one that i have around here called viva la foca which is like an expression it's a plan or an italian an italian expression viva la figa which means long live pussy and viva la foca a foca is the Italian word for seal. So Viva La Foca means long live the seal, and it stars a fat guy named Bombolo, but basically it's Lori Del Santa gets a seal. Uh, she plays the nurse. She was married to Eric Clapton, actually. It was her baby wow. that fell out the window. Yeah, really? but Lori Del Santo is beautiful, so she plays the new nurse, and she has like a seal. And that, that's a movie where literally the opening scene, the guy's like trying to fuck her at the train station, and she's like, I can't, I can't. It's like, why not? It's like, because my pussy, it whistles. And he's like, what? And he sticks his fingers in your ear like, like, and that's like sort of a running gag through the movie is that whenever someone sticks her hand in her pants, there's like a crazy loud. <laughs> she has a whistling, but it's just sort of accepted. And she goes around with a seal, uh-huh. and she's like, "Let you can I get milk?" And the guy's like, "Milk?" And she's like, "Yeah, for my for my foca." And the guy's like, "For your foca?" And she's like, "Yeah." And opens, and they think she's saying pussy, and she takes out, you know, the, the seal. And it's like, arp, arp. and you can tell she's kind of terrified because the seal. It's like <laughs> literally they got a seal that's kind of attacking her, and she has to act like it's her pet, and she's friend. It's a it's an insane it's an insane movie and screwballs has that same kind same of energy movie. remind me to never play movie trivia with you ever no nobody nobody you. i'm not allowed to i've actually had those nights where people will there there are games like that that involve movie trivia who, and who's better you or tarantino who would win a tarantino oh really but, but you know what i have specialties of subgenre like the early like the late 70s early 80s italian sex comedy popsicles the lemon popsicles that he sort of turns to me like there's a director named michele massimo tarantini and I always talk about the school of Tarantini versus Tarantino <laughs> and those films. So like, so I, you know, like I know he hasn't seen, like he knows who Bombolo is, but he, these movies don't interest him. Like the way he knows kind of black exploitation films and I like them, but I'm not as into them as it's he not, are. Yeah, right, right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Let's talk about the, the there's a whole a subgenre of a subgenre of the beach TNA movies where you had Spring Break and Hard Bodies and Hot Moves. A lot of them were always hanging around at the beach. Yes, that is a. I'm really glad you raised that because <laughs> thank you. Hard Bodies is an amazing, amazing film. Yes, because that is a movie where three older guys have to try and get laid. They come to the beach to to. Ask the younger guys how to pick up chicks, basically. Yeah, and oil that, tycoon. Yeah, there's like they're like there's like an oil tycoon. There's a hippie, and one of the hippie guy like kind of falls in love with a girl. He's like, and so how are they going to get laid? How are these three guys that have absolutely no game but a lot of money going to get laid? Well, that's where Scotty Palmer comes in because when Scotty Palmer talks, bullshit walks. And Scotty Palmer, <laughs> Scotty Palmer is like your prototypical '80s guy with blonde hair, and he can get any girl, and he's got all these like codes and different ways of like you know certain language and his sidekick is a guy named rad who can flip you off in 45 different languages with all these hand gestures rad is played by courtney Gaines Great. from children of the corn it's kind of like the redhead the redheaded dude yeah the I remember him flipping off in 40 different languages how yeah. funny that was yeah and then they go to get a band they're like we're gonna throw a great party so that all the girls have sex with you and they go and they get a band and the band is singing this song they walk in at the very end and there's like four girls and they're singing the most 1983 song which is like computer madness they'll pull the plug and you're like oh hey scotty they were singing a song about supercomputers basically taking over the planet and he just walks in at the end of it um but but hard bodies does something amazing which obviously there's like the uh, the fantastic the party scenes the tna there's the older guys turn out to be assholes and then there's the main girl um the blonde girl and scotty palmer at the very end of the movie she goes you know scotty this is literally the last scene of the film. She's like, you know, Scotty, I have to say something. I thought about it. I think I'm going to go to state. And she's like, <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, that means we'll be able to be together. And they're like, all right. And then it's just like they go in the sunrise. Again. I was like, oh, wow. I've never seen a movie before where at no other time in the movie is the subplot mentioned of this girl <laughs> going to college on the East Coast and now deciding to go to college in California to stay with Scotty Palmer. It's like in one sentence, in one scene, at minute 88 of the movie, they introduce and solve the lead character's subplot and emotional love story, and you just sort of accept it. And then the movie's over, and you're like, oh, that's great. Like, they didn't waste time. Yeah. During the movie with an actual plot at the end, they're like, oh, we should probably have a backstory. And yeah. uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go to stake. Great. So we can be together. Let's use that. Movie ends. Take. It's perfect. <laughs> and scene. Uh, another one of my favorites that I actually watch and it stands up is Spring Break. Yes. Which is another good one where it's, it's two nerds and two studs have to share a room together at Spring Break because all the hotel is full. And then they end up going through this thing where they actually have to save the hotel because the proprietor is a really nice lady. Yeah, yeah. but the, 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 the And directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Really? He's who, directed fr- who directed the first Friday the 13th. And there's a, a Playboy Playmate in it who does not show her tits, which is very strange. Right. But she is in a rock and roll band. Well, that was, yeah, the and 80s. Sing, and, she's, and the song is, I want to do it, do it. I want to do it with you. And there's all chicks in the band that are all doing synchronized moves and stuff. Have, it's awesome. Have you ever. I'm watching tonight. Yeah, yeah, spring break. Have you, you know, being the musician in the 80s aficionado, have you ever thought of covering any of the songs from these sort of 80s? Because they always tried to have, like, Hot Dog the Movie 
all of these films have like a gratuitous montage sequence, the wet t-shirt contest. Yeah. Have you ever thought of just doing like a real intense hardcore cover? Well, I like that one. I don't remember the name of the band. It's from Spring Break. I, I want to do it to you. And it's, it starts with the drumming. And all the chicks are like in perfect synchronous, like a warrant show. Yeah. But then Hot Moves is another one I love that has two songs, including the title track done by Raven. Wow. The 80s metal band wow. Raven. And I always love that movie specifically for that reason. Yeah, that's pretty... Well, that was cool when those movies started mixing, like when Dario Argento in Phenomena, or which was known as Creepers, used Iron Maiden. Yeah, For yeah. Chasing, I was like... Flash of the Blade. Yeah, I was like, what the f*** is yeah. this? Like, it was suddenly... Like mixing horror movies and heavy metal, metal which is all we loved at that point. All in time. we loved, and I hadn't. It actually, like, I couldn't even process what I was watching at the time. I was so amazed, excited because uh, demons. That they did that. Demon yeah, has demons. that. Yeah, Demon. well, those are the Italians again. With look at that. in that cruise. Okay, that. so look at the Italians in 1966 and 64, 65. Spaghetti Westerns using electric guitar and mm. American audience are like, wow. And then you cut to 20 years later, 1985, 86, and they're using Iron Maiden in horror movies mm -hmm. and in Demons. Like, the Italians were, were so f***ing ahead to, like, take the American, like, heavy metal guitar and put it in a horror movie that hadn't been done before. How about Sleepaway Camp 2 that uses Anvil for no apparent yes. reason? Yes. <laughs> like a 30-second clip of an Anvil song. Oh, but as a kid, you would watch that and love it because it's like, like you said, you're going to the, to, the, to the video store, renting the slasher movie, sex comedy, and then throwing some heavy metal tunes on top of it. You got everything you yeah. need. Yeah, and this movie, The Summer Job, Hot Resort. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. interesting, like like Johnny Depp is in Summer Job and Rob Morrow. Is he really? Yeah. Like Rob Morrow's in that? Yeah. A lot of these movies, like when people became kind of big, when Rob Morrow had Northern Exposure, yeah. it was like, oh, Hot Resort or Johnny Depp. It's like, no, he's from Summer Job. Like these movies, <laughs> these, these TNA movies. I mean, I guess they ran out of the high school tropes. Like at a certain point, they're like, well, what else are teenagers? Well, then they do? started taking it to location. Like you mentioned Hot Dog, the movie. Hot Dogs. Uh, uh, we uh, have uh, to discuss. Yes. Again, another it. thing where I was disappointed. I never been to a hotel when you check in and someone's got their top off. Isn't that how they check? Well, no, in she was naked. Yeah, she's she naked. Was naked. Yeah. She was in the hot tub getting. Some dude went down on her wearing a, a, a underwater mask, as you would, like goggles, yeah. as you do. Yeah. And he's knocking on the on the door, ringing the buzzer, and she comes out completely naked uh, and gives them the room key. With, Harkin is his name with the hot blonde Amazing. that he picks up on the side of the road. Of course. Well, he's like the the eighties like prototypical like kind of blonde guy skiing and actually Mike Marvin who worked on that movie went on to direct <laughs> Hamburger the Motion Picture <laughs> no it's interesting yeah, that Hot Dog the Movie I've Hamburger the Motion yes I've that one didn't stand up for me I've, I have tried to get a 35 print of Hamburger film because I wanted to show Hot Dog and Hamburger and Double but as you suggested I should preface it with meatballs <laughs> which right. would be a great like a, you know, a whole <laughs> food related a smorgasbord thing, smorgasbord yeah and then maybe you talk, I'd love to show Hamburger and then shuckle up <laughs> the Johnny Depp, you know, just start with the meatballs, you know, the whole food subgenre. But Hot Dog is amazing because that movie is like David Naughton clearly thought he was going to have a huge career after American Werewolf in London. Right. And why wouldn't you? Because that movie is huge. Hit. It's actually a huge hit and it's winning Academy Awards and it's regarded as and a classic. Did he also have like a top 20 hit with like, I'm, I'm making it? I'm making it. it. So he actually had a top he had twenty a, hit. Top twenty hit, like a the classic movie. Classic movie, and he was like the good looking. But it, it sort of wasn't his time. Like if he was ten years later, when the nineties, when the sort of kind of nebbishy Jewish guy of like Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, right? Like the 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 three S's, the Stiller, Seinfeld, and Sandlers took over. <laughs> that was when I came into vogue. Before <laughs> that, girls weren't interested in me. When those guys, 
when Adam Sandler was on SNL, girls and Ben Stiller with the Ben Stiller show, girls were like, oh, he likes cute. Before then, it was like, because I look nothing like the Jew. 80s blonde. Yeah, exactly. The funny <laughs> the sort of dorky. from Zapka. The like dorky. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, if you were Billy Zapka or Greg Bradford, those guys kind of took yeah, over. Zapka, the but ultimate ho- deal. Yeah, and so Hot Dog, the movie, it's just like, oh, they have the Asian guy. Let's call him Bonsai. <laughs> and there's, the, but what's great about it, again, with the fat guy, cool guy nerd, it's the team. They call themselves the Rat Pack, and they're like the underdogs, but they all work together to get laid. Right, and they're they, on the ski hill. They have a team that they're, they're trying to win the downhill race. Front, yeah, they're trying to win the freestyle competition from the Germans, from the right. German guy who's ever. So, of Rudy. Course, yeah, Rudy. It was like, and, and it, the girl, the hot girl, Sonny, it has the classic line where, like, the German, where he, the main guy, Shannon Tweed. Right. And that gets the girl jealous, so then she goes and the German guy and the girl's name is Sonny and so then and he's like last night I had how do you say sunny side up sunny side down sunny side all the way around he's like you you know and then so of course they like making the Germans the bad guy is kind of a stroke of genius (laughs) and then of course the big uh, retort to that with David Naughton is like we are skiing in the middle you go to the left or you go to the right no what did he say no he shows his ass He's like, you no, can no, kiss my no, but, ass. But first, the line is that he, they're skiing because the yeah. Germans are, the, are their bully skiers, too, by the way. They just knock people out of the way. And it's like, if you want to ski, you stay to the left or the right, but you stay out of the middle. And then he goes, kiss my ass. Not on this side, not on this side, right in the middle. Yay. Well, that's the thing is they try to make David Naughton the, like, crazy party guy leader. And he just isn't that guy. Like, he's so he, – he kind of just looks sad the whole movie. Like, like he's yeah, this I'd is a fun – yeah. like, this is a fun movie. Yeah, I'm probably banging these chicks. But I'm not – he's, like – he's not, like, the crazy party animal. Like, in Bachelor Party, another fantastic TNA with Tom Hanks directed by, yes. you know, Neil Israel. Um, we did Baby Genius, like or no, Neil Israel made a bunch of movies. Um, it, Bachelor Party is one of my favorite films. There's some Tawny Katane that fits in there as well, Tawny, yeah. which absolutely fits in that with like you know the crazy like wild sidekick. But Naughton just doesn't quite pull it off. He's just not the guy to be like leading the, the yeah, antics. The party guys. He's almost like a, a poor man Steve Gutenberg Mahoney. Yeah, kind of. If you put him on a ski hill, it's true. But Mahoney a, the, on a, so sad. You don't want to be Mahoney on a ski hill. Police Academy Twelve, and he's great. Oh, God, the, but the, another one you mentioned academies, but we actually it almost it all goes back to Animal House as like the predecessor. Well, and that's another. Yeah, see, yeah. The, so, so before we get down, Shannon Tweed, you mentioned her in that movie. She looked like she was forty, even though she yes. was probably twenty five. She was yes. like playing like the hot older lady who's just banging all the young guys. But I found something out that she had a, a boob job in that movie and got one in nineteen seventy seven. She was a she was a trailblazer. Jobs we can... She was a trailblazer. Yeah. Shannon Tweed. That is amazing. Hot at the time. You Still would have hot. had to have flown to South America to do that. Like not a lot of people were doing. How could you get a boob job in the seventies? No, from, South America. From Moose Jaw Canada. Where she's from. How many different boob jobs she's had to repair that boob job? Right. Yeah, because probably if, a lot. If you watch that when she finally takes, she's uh, actually Harkin. like a cyborg now. Well, yeah. <laughs> have you seen her? <laughs> the Shannon <laughs> Tweed robot. But but she takes Harkin back into the hot tub and the, she's the, the so boobs hot. are straight right forward. there. How, yeah. how you doing? I was actually watching that wondering if she had if she was one of the first people. Thank you for answering that question. I actually googled it and found that out in there. Wow. And now she's married to Gene Simmons. So congratulations to Gene. Congratulations to Gene. But let's talk one more part about Hot Dog is the uh the wacky stoner sidekick Squirrel. Squirrel's a great character. Yeah. Squirrel is like cuz you can't just have the normal guy like like for every Scotty Palmer you need a rad. You know like you need for every Scott Bayo like you need, 
you know, you need your Peyton. That's that was a Willie Ames character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zaps. Like you can't just have your Barney Springboro without your Peyton. So and his character, like Squirrel. You're just sort of like, what's his character? It's like, oh, there's the one guy who's always listening to music. Or like, Squirrel's just, there's, okay, there's Bonsai, but Squirrel's just like a guy with lots of cream on his nose yeah, who's sun, on acid all the time and just randomly gets blown in a gondola <laughs> for no reason. Like, he gets left out. The other five guys go. Squirrel has to go by himself. So, of course, he's in the gondola. With, with a hot chick. With a hot girl. And the Asian guy notices, much like Hitachi Toshiro in Revenge of the Nerds, when he's like, hey, help hi, help hi. Like, you always had to have one Asian import in your group. <laughs> that had were... to be completely, it's like the WWE. You have to have an Asian that can't speak English. No English. Yeah, no <laughs> Asian ever in the WWE could ever speak yeah, English. Yeah, no English. Yeah, it's funny because I looked up the guy who played Bonsai, and he's done, like, 75 movies he's like a guy from california like can you imagine just being like oh god i have to be this like do this because i'm asian i only yell like japanese like bonsai words and it's like but yet it's a classic girl so squirrel gets blown blown in the gondola yeah and the uh, other guys are watching him getting blown in the gondola. Just cheering him on like it's another Cause, but day. By the way, because you can see that. Because when you're in a gondola, you're probably 50 feet ahead of the gondola behind you, and you can't really see anything. No, but you they can see it perfectly. But they can see it perfectly. Yeah, he's perfectly getting blown. Yeah. But I mean, and so let's, let's and then you mentioned um, uh, Revenge of the Nerds and Police. So it was Revenge of the Nerds would be a, a teen sex comedy. Oh, Revenge of the Nerds is amazing. And probably another one of, the, one of the best. It really is. Well, that, you know, Jeff Canoe just hit something there because that was the. It's interesting because they've tried to remake Revenge of the Nerds. And it, they have? Oh, several times. They actually were two weeks into production and they shut it down. Um, Why? Because it's not really... Because the concept of a nerd winning is very 1983. Right now we live in a world where the nerds won. Everyone's it was like, a nerd. Yeah, you're right. It's like the nerds took over. Like Bill Gates took over and yeah. at, at the time it was like... You all know, of us. Weezer. Yeah, all of us. Like <laughs> Hardwick. Yeah, Chris you know? Hardwick. Like, like the geeks kind of rule the planet now. You know, mm-hmm. the, like the tech nerds, everybody, like Mark Zuckerberg. Like the nerds won. Right. So you... The movie you'd have to do is Revenge of the Jocks, where like the idiot, wow. but nobody can root for those guys. You know, that's like an interesting have, concept. And the jobs, the jocks, because that's what I've talked about. I was like, because I met with them, I was like, if you you can't do anything, like the the Revenge of the Nerds today is the jocks are marginalized and nobody cares. Everyone cares about TechCrunch, you know, in Silicon Valley, nobody cares about the so basketball game. You met with game. somebody about this? Oh, I've talked to like I remember there were a number of meetings with their consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah what well, they said, did. would you be interested in doing Revenge of the Nerds? And I was, I was like, you can't do it unless it's that's a great point. But Revenge of the Nerds is so fun because they create. The cameras and they sneak into the you know the I ate a pie house and they're whatever and they're like and they and they they see the girls naked and they're you know and of course the nerds get the girls at the end because all they do is think about sex and all the jocks also the rape acceptable he wins by raping her and by wearing the yeah, that's right. mask that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, and then also too, they took it a step further with the classic line that Booger utters of "We've got Bush, we've got Bush." So they took the boobs and went one step further because you didn't see a lot of Bush in that time frame. They they went to the extra mile. And the bad guy, of course, the blind guy. I'm, I'm blank on his name. It was like the Older? classic. No, the the blind Ted McGinley. Yeah, yes, Ted McGinley, Ted who's McGinley. now like the neighbor. Like that's like basically he's become a jump the shark category. Yeah, yeah. Every like he, series that Ted McGinley goes on goes out of business. It's like somehow it's like it's one happened married with children, married children, yeah. happy days, love boat. Yeah, like once McGinley shows up, the show's over, which <laughs> is too bad because McGinley's kind of a fantastic eighties. 80s foil. He had a um, great heel. Him and Willie's Billy, Billy Zabka. Great 80s heel. Hair. I know. And looks cool. Zabka's like I've tweeted him before. He's like he responds. He's a sense of humor. About I've been it. trying to get him on this show for for a while, but it, uh, I'm still working he did on that it. Character, he did that basically that character on Hot Tub Time Machine. He did it. Yeah. 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 Well, we did. Well, Hot Tub Time Machine is the movie is that, that's kind of parodying. 
Would that be uh, like? Are there still vestiges of of the TNA comedies? Well, yeah, that's a movie that's aware that it's one of those movies that's going back to be. I mean, I I did a screening of Zapped with Scott Bayo, right? And he's great, by the way. It was the greatest. And Zapped. Let me ask this: What did Scott think? Because he's he's been on this show before. He seems like a very kind of a straightforward guy, and maybe not the greatest sense of humor from what I was talking to. Well, here's the thing with Scott: was was Bayo was super like didn't want to do it if i was like going to be just making like a didn't want to be the butt of a joke and i understand that but and i was like i'm actually had to say like i'm showing this with reverence and respect glorifying and glorifying and and talking about what it is i genuinely love about that movie and which is when we saw it our dad demanded the money back because he was so offended that it was such a terrible (laughs) film so therefore Gabe and I and our brother Adam, like we loved it that much more. It was forbidden. It was because my dad just thought it was just like, how can you, how can this be considered? You know, my dad was like used to like Citizen Kane or something. He's going to see Zapped and everything. Just didn't understand it. But Zapped is an amazing. Zapped, Zapped is a great movie because it has that sense of fun and innocence and kind of freewheeling. Like the music, I really tried to track down the Greg Mathiasen project music oh, to way, use. You've sent it. To me, in Zapped, yeah, so, it's fantastic. You tried to track it down to use for what? For Hostel, I wanted to score Hostel the first thirty minutes. Zapped because the whole first thirty minutes of Hostel is meant to look like is Porky. Zapped, it's yeah. Zapped. It's yeah. a sex comedy, and I shot it very colorful. All three guys are always in three shot. They're together. They're safe. And like as once Oli gets killed, we start to bleed the color. Like the concept of Hostel oh. was the first thirty minutes of the movie are Porky's Last American Virgin Zapped. Like you are, t- and you could feel the audience fighting it, like not really understanding why. This doesn't look like a horror movie. It looks like a fun, but it's to let everyone let their guard down and get you to kind of ki- like the guys and enjoy being a, having right. a fun adventure before it turns into like Schindler's List and a razor head <laughs> and, a, yeah, yeah. and a nightmare. But Zapped Bayo, the audience loved it. They were they were with it a hundred percent because it's Scatman Crothers coming off of The Shining. Another yeah, he's like and, David Naughton. Yeah, I've got I'm on I'm on, the, I'm on top, baby. <laughs> you're like 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 how about that? Like you're working with Jack Nichols and Stanley Kubrick, and now you're literally Willie Ames driving a sled with a chariot with your wife firing animated salamis at you. It's just insane. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, but yet it has the ending. But then I realized later on that Zapped is a parody of Carrie. Because Bruce Rubin, who wrote it, was the first AD on Carrie, and it's scene for scene. It's Carrie. It's he gets telekinesis. This thing is incestuous, and it it ends at the prom. But I showed them on a double bill together. I watched Zapped because there's this thing where Carrie's like walking, and someone goes, "Crazy Carrie, crazy Carrie," and she looks and like knocks the kid off the bike. And there's a thing where. Bayo's walking. Someone yells, "Barney Bonehead, Barney Bonehead!" Like they put like very, very subtle. He knocks him off the. the, Yeah, it's like it's like the kid just rides by for a second. It's like, and they do an exorcism with a puppet and the spaceship. There's a whole Star Trek sequence (laughs) in it with the dog. (laughs) I don't know. What are your memories of Zapped, Gabe? I mean, for Zapped, it it all came to a head when you had that screening. You know, it was like meeting Bayo, and the, the thing is like. They always seem like genuinely grateful that somebody wasn't making. Someone remembered it. Well, yeah, they remembered it, and that it was treated with that reverence that you're talking about. And here's one of those things that you wish you didn't find out was Heather Thomas's boobs, but it's not her boobs. It's not her boobs. Same thing with Purity Bush at the end of Screwballs. If you listen to the, it's like in the wide shot, it's her boobs, but then they cut to like seven minute close ups over credits of her tits, and that was a body double. Oh, okay. Because you're like, there's no way she just stood there for seven minutes. See, if you're gonna do it, do it like Phoebe Cates. That's her boobs. I know. You saw them, and they were, it was amazing. You still remember that? Remember it was living in stereo? Yep. Wow, wow, wow. So good. Wow, wow. And then also, whenever I hear Jackson Brown, somebody's baby tonight, yeah, you think of Jennifer Jason, Jason Lee getting yeah. banged in the 
dugout. Yeah. And even when I saw her this year on uh, the Hateful Eight, which she was Oscar nomination, I still think of her getting banged in the baseball. I know dugout. by Brad. He's by a no, total fox. by Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson is a total fox. That's right. Yeah, Brad was your brother. <laughs> Ron Johnson. I did a live stage read of uh, the LA Film Festival asked me to do like a live script reading of a movie and Cameron Crowe very generously let us do Fast Times at Richmond High and it was the first time his script had been read aloud and I actually had Courtney Love do Mr. Hand nice uh, and she was amazing and the Jennifer Jason Leake role uh, was done by Lily Collins and Lorenza my wife did the uh, the Phoebe Cates role and Haley Joel Osment did it uh, who Logan did Spicoli Paul. Logan Paul who's a, star, he's a he's a star on social media he was really really funny funny uh, actor and he did it. He didn't. He showed up in character and he was like totally like shirtless and do, he was like an awesome Spicoli. And it was so fun to actually read it and read the script. It's like it's especially compared to writing like that is an amazingly well. I mean, like you said, I mean, you have to just throw that one off the top as the best ever. I yeah. Mean, uh, and Spicoli, that Sean Penn weirdness of where he went and actually hung out with surfers, and that's an iconic character. That's up there with like Spock well, and the Fonz and the Joker. After that, everybody was just trying, trying to, to be Spicoli. It's Spicoli, and the only one that actually matched Spicoli in terms of being an icon and sparking was Brad Pitt Floyd in True Romance. Good call. Which is very much like, you know, and then when they did the Pineapple Express, well, they said basically let's do a whole movie about Floyd. That was the inspiration. So was Franco Bar- was kind of they they were just like let's like what if the, there was an entire movie about Floyd and that oh, was where it's okay. the and idea Floyd, of Pine- so Spicoli begat Floyd Floyd begat exactly Pineapple, Pineapple Express. Express and Cheech and Chong also you can throw in there too. in there as well yeah. they were because they were so drug heavy that was kind of their own genre basically taking yeah their I would albums. never say Cheech yeah that's they weren't in the kind comedies. of sex comedy word but but it's it's interesting like you watch these movies now the the novelty of seeing someone naked is so it kind of went away in the 90s and then what happened was American Pie brought it back and that said it was like let's trying to be the first and it's interesting you look at the White's brothers gone it's a very very interesting career it's no accident that movie was was what it was but American Pie came back and then Shannon Elizabeth sort of became the naked girl and everybody after that was very worried because I was trying to make Cabin Fever and I wanted nudity in Cabin Fever and girls were like, I won't do your movie because they said they're like, well, Shannon Elizabeth, you know, or Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls, they showed their tits and now they don't work. Mm. It's crazy how they got stigmatized, not necessarily having anything to do with Shannon Elizabeth, I'm not knocking her or her no, career sure. choices, but people were like, oh no, it got all over the internet. Well, now we live in this sort of weird world where Everyone on HBO, it's all sex on, you know, it's not porn yeah. mom, it's HBO. Now they like people in a movie don't want to do nudity, but if it's on a television show or an HBO, that's sort of the play, the, like point. Game of Thrones, and it's the only place where nudity has become kind of acceptable. Yeah. Well, Although we, I feel like Helen Mirren sort of legitimized the nudity, you know, like she, she was doing nudity forever. Like, yeah. Helen Mirren? Yeah. Well, a in lot of movies, these, yeah, Nicole so, Kim and any great actress has. But, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, we live in a world now where, uh, you know, porn stars are just chicks that we know. Yeah. Whereas 20 years ago, porn star was, your you might, world. As, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> might as well have been like, you know, wearing the scarlet letter, like, oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Now, you know, you can see a porn star in Entourage when Sasha yeah, Gray was in there and you just she's just an actress now it, it, it has changed to where like you said back in these days watching these movies was your gateway to seeing no and tits. Caddyshack you were watching it you waited for the moment that Lacey Underalls I never tits. thought she was all that hot I watch it back and they, they've got her in this horrible bikini so at the at the I just think I don't get it you think she's the hottest one in all those in those movies was Sarah Holcomb 
who played As, Maggie O'Houlihan in Caddyshack with her Irish accent. She was also the girl who gets drunk and returned in the shopping, in the cart, shopping cart in Animal House. With the Kleenex in her bra. Yeah. She was amazing, and then she kind of dropped out of... Dropped out for a while. Let me ask you this uh, as we get towards the end. Another one now. It's not a teen sex comedy, but it's definitely an 80s sex comedy would be uh, Police Academy. Amazing. Police Academy was revolutionary because it had the sex in it where you have Commandant Lassard getting blown as he's giving the speech. (laughs) But those movies... Very, very, very... Dear graduates of the Police Academy. (laughs) (laughs) And Gutenberg. That was like the Gutenberg. Right. David Gutenberg wanted to be Gutenberg. Gutenberg took over. It's, It's hard to... There were seven of them. Like how so few series actually made it some because Porky's the next day was not good. Porky's tried to redeem it, wasn't great. Police Academy and Police Academy Two, they kept introducing new characters. Yeah. Like you get Bobcat Goldthwait, yeah. and then Colleen Camp's character come in. You know, Tackleberry's girlfriend and Leslie Easterbrook. Right. Like they and Bubba Smith as Hightower. Like the great thing about Police Academy was you could do what Airplane did. Police Academy was a continuation of Airplane, where Airplane had tits for a second, but there was it was like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in it, mm-hmm. where the kid like then you know you could put sports people in the movies, you could put musicians in the movies and, it was like yeah. and everybody was a character like being a character in a police academy movie was like oh that like there were so many cops that you went to see the new movie to see what new crazy characters yeah, 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 were gonna get we're, we're gonna get introduced into the mix and the movies are legit and michael winslow with his impressions they were legitimately funny movies but they might have turned down the sex but the first one there was um there was a shower scene and there was a yeah. few of those type of things yeah because of stripes remember stripes right. was like military Same thing where you were spying that like you know bill Murray, though, like John Larroquette is spying on the girls in the shower and the mud wrestling. You got to see some tits. That was the joy of those movies. Stripes, stripes I stood up in the theaters because my, my parents took us and I said, look, mom, boobs. <laughs> so. I, my dad took me to see that in the drive-in and it's very, I was always very uh, uncomfortable yep. when you see boobs with my dad because neither of us would, would want to breach the subject. So you just, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, uh, we went skiing with my cousin Chad and, and yeah. his brother Todd in about 84 and we, we were in Breckenridge and one of the nights we went and saw him movie as police academy we came back my uncle russ was just hammered and uh it was like what'd you see police academy was there any beaver in it <laughs> beaver <laughs> just that was by the way how do you a, answer can that? i tell you something yes a, uncle russ there was beaver a in it. very legit question in 1984 <laughs> yeah. like that was actually not an inappropriate question to ask yeah. at a family discussion after returning <laughs> from a movie it's like it. basically saying is it worth me getting off this couch to go see the movie <laughs> yeah. too was there any was there any beaver <laughs> in there any yeah beaver? there's a movie called gimme an f at Camp Beaverton, uh, where the girls do extra big splits, written by Jim, written by Jim Hart, and I once outed him at a dinner party because he'd written a hook, and he wrote Dracula, and so I'm like, oh, this is James V. Hart, and I was like, oh yeah, you wrote Gimme an F, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, he wrote Gimme an F, where the at Camp Beaver, where the Beaverton, where the girls do extra big splits, and everyone's like, no, that's Jim, he's like an Oscar nominated, and, and Jim's like kind of stewing, and he's like, you know the. F- director it was a serious movie the, 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 the director turned into that it was never supposed to be about that that was not in the original script that they tried to sell it as one of these stupid it was a coming of age movie about my experiences it was the best you just embrace it right i just like just own it dude give me an f i, man. This guy I will co- give you an a for give me an f <laughs> yeah. i met uh, this guitar player called joe holmes he was in ozzy's band in 96 outside the forum mm-hmm. he used to be in lizzie borden another great early yep. 80s metal band and i said joe nice to meet you i said i used to be in lizzie borden he's like no that wasn't me I'm like, no, it was you. I've got the album. No, it wasn't me. And just walked right away. Wow. Embrace, embrace, give me an F. Embrace dude. Lizzie Come Borden. On, you got to embrace these things. You got uh, it. Last question here. That's, like I said, take um, uh, Fast Times out of the mix. What is your favorite uh, uh, TNA sex comedy, Gabe? 
You know, it's funny. I, I kind of like a lot of the old body ones. There was one called Cinderella, but that may even be going back into the seventies, where the woman had the snapping pussy. But you know, like like Cinemax and and HBO and were like was that curious. fairy tales or Cinderella? fairy tales? And there was like Cinderella yeah. was like the one that was within the fairy tales that had the snapping yeah, and pussy. Yeah, Cyrus was and, the narrator. And, it was I think I think there was Jack Baker as Cyrus. Yes, and I used to literally just scan the guide on the cable looking for that one to come on. But that that was the curator. There was like our museum curator was like the cable stations. And then from there, we went to Video Smith. Yeah. Skinamax, they call it in Showtime yeah. After Dark. Yeah, yeah so. still call it kind of Skinamax. But that was now. the one that I used to look for. But that might have even been a little over. The Kingdom has a snapper. Yeah. Fairy Tales. Oh, snapper. It was great. Uh, Fairy Tales is a great movie. My favorite, my favorite of these is Last American Virgin. Is you it? know, I've watched Porky's recently. I tried to show it to my wife, and she's like, what is this high school? This is, this is weird. Like, because Porky's is actually like a real drama. Like it's trying to be mm-hmm. fast times, but it's so crazy and so insane. It almost becomes unrelatable, but it's period and cool. Um, but fast- we grew up with it too. So we, yeah. we appreciate the, the, the legacy of it. Yeah. But, but the one that holds up that I've shown people that have never seen one of these movies before that a modern audience loves is, is last American version because the jokes of these guys working together to try and get laid, the scenes are just legitimately funny. And the thing that's great about Last American Virgin is it has this very f***ed up dark ending yeah. where you're watching the movie, you're watching the movie, and the last five minutes are very disturbing. Hmm. And there's like an abortion, and then it's like, wow. you're just like, whoa. And then it ends with like a very on a very, very dark note. And that's why it wasn't a hit. It was not a commercial success. It's interesting they would it, make that ending for a movie like that. And that's what, that's the reason it stands the test of time is that you watch it and it actually gets you and you're mm-hmm. totally affected by it. And it's like the, the cast is fantastic. And the other thing that Last American Virgin has, Billy Gerber is a producer uh, who was working at, I think it was Warner Music at the time, and told me that the first movie, he was like a young executive and got somehow Last American Virgin came to him to load up with new bands. So they threw all these bands that they wanted to break, like Devo, The Police, mm. like Journey, like it's, U2. U2. Wow. It's a like cut to U2. Like, but they were all new bands that didn't have any, sure, yeah. they didn't cost yeah, anything. And so they were right. all trying to get famous. They're like, well, these movies are making money. Let's be successful. It's subsequent. You watch that movie now, to get the music rights alone for the soundtrack, you'd have to spend $40, $50 million. Mm-hmm. And the film couldn't exist today. But, and that's what makes it so great. It's got a combo of a very dark ending, unapologetically funny, and the best, most kick-ass soundtrack to any of those movies because it was all new, new wave bands that were unknown at the time. Well, it's like you said, like, for me, the spring break, I love it. Um, belly flop contest, wet t-shirt contest, two chicks with one guy in, in the room with the nerd in the corner pretending to be asleep, and of course the Playboy Playmates, Playmates band playing I Want to Do It to You. And then Hot Dog is great too with the Chinese downhill. There's never a time when I don't go snowboarding or skiing to this day with my friends where we don't end off the day with the Chinese downhill which was just everyone start at the top and get to the bottom as fast as you can yep you know the chinese downhill downhill. and and like you said this is part of our childhood so you look at these movies back and they'll always have a great place because we've been watching them and knowing about them since we were you know 10 12 13 14 15 years old no you feel like it's visiting old friends yeah it's like it's you know you're like a high school it's like a weird reunion when you go back and see these people and and like and it's interesting talking now having met a lot of directors of some of these movies they're they don't kind of don't even remember making them, but 
there there is a fondness for this type of film because it does feel like this film just is very much a product of its time right and if Good you point. and if you look at it sort of in that context i think if you look at it by modern standards it wouldn't work cuz audiences are too sophisticated and there's things about them that just don't make sense but just sort of looking them at these like kind of time capsules of what was going on in culture i i think there's something great in them i love them the tone of them, though, I feel like is still alive in certain, like you know, things like "This Is the End" or "Super Bad" and like that. That's yeah, like a feeling that tone definitely of, super like, bad for where sure. You get that sort of Eddie Deason type of character. Like, <laughs> Eddie you know Deason, what I mean? but so, like yeah, no, they're continuing. There's certain yeah, the Seth Rogen comedies yeah. with upholding it. Yeah, right, for sure. Let's go uh, drink some beers and go to a wet t-shirt contest. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> All right, so that ought to give you plenty of choices for Netflix this weekend. Screwballs, The Last American Virgin, Porky's, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Hot Dog, all great choices. Thanks to Eli Roth and his brother Gabe Roth for hanging out and talking movies. Always a great discussion with my, with my bros. They're good, good dudes. And, uh, man, you got to check out some of these movies. They are hilarious. I love 80s teen sex comedies. Hope you enjoyed this, and I also hope you enjoy uh, on March 15th, 2017, when I uh, air The Biggest podcast ever mick foley joins talk is jericho the countdown has begun only 214 more days until the biggest podcast ever with me and mick uh thanks to him in advance and thanks to all of you guys for supporting the great talk is jericho sponsors including ddpyoga.com slash jericho you're gonna get 20 percent off the ddp yoga program plus three months full access to the ddp yoga now app and don't forget the books get some flowers for the lady in your life the most freshest great smelling beautiful looking flowers and of course buffalo wild wings TrueCar.com. You want to buy a car there as well? Buy a car at TrueCar, then go to Buffalo Wild Wings and uh, pick up some books for your girl. And of course, thanks to Amazon, the OG sponsor. They've been here since the very first episode of Talk is Jericho. Easiest way to support this show, just use my Amazon links anytime you do any online shopping. All those links are at podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit Talk is Jericho. I'll get Amazon links to the USA, the UK, the Canada. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. You can buy just about anything you want on Amazon. Just go to podcastone.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, and then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And hey, I didn't forget the big announcement, the unveiling of the second huge show debuting on the Jericho Network and it's going to be hosted by Team Tiger Awesome. That's right. They're bringing their own brand of crazy right here as the second podcast debuting on the Jericho Network at Podcast One. If you love the Star Wars Symposium, if you love the Batman versus Superman discussion, if you love the summer movie preview, uh, we've got so many great shows and a lot of laughs with Nick Mundy, Clint Gage, Michael Truly. They've been on Talk as Jericho five times, and you are going to love their podcast pop culture, comedy. I'm taking it uh, a little bit different, and it's not always wrestling. Like I said, these guys are hilarious. You are going to love the Team Tiger Awesome podcast, which debuts on Sunday, August 23rd. And guess what? If you want a little taste, a little reminder on how funny the Team Tiger Awesome guys are, they're coming up on Wednesday right here on Talk is Jericho. And the subject is who's hot and who's not with Team Tiger Awesome, right? We're going to uh, rate Hollywood's leading men. We're going to rate each other. We're going to draft our own ro- rosters of hotness. Who are the hottest uh, uh, actors in Hollywood? You'd think we'd go with the girls, but no, I think we're le- dealing more with the leading men. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, according to Team Tiger Awesome, Johnny Depp is not one of them, but we're going to find out who is, who's hot and who's not, who's got the best team, who drafts the best hot roster. You get a chance to listen and vote Wednesday on Talkers Jericho. And remember, Sunday, August 23rd, 
the brand new podcast from the Jericho Network. Team Tiger Awesome will debut. It's going to be a great, great week. Team Tiger Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to Eli Roth and Gabe Roth for the 80s teen sex comedies uh, uh, reviews. We'll see you uh, We'll see you on Wednesday for who's hot and who's not. Okay, Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy, I love you. Be careful this weekend. So, uh, we'll see you next week. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. <laughs>